This show discusses serious and often disturbing content. Listener discretion is advised. What dost thou want? Wouldst thou like the taste of butter? A pretty dress? Wouldst thou like to live deliciously? The goat of Mendes. The devil himself. How to get burned? How to get burned? How to get burned? How to get burned? I don't know! Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we were watching Wayne's World the other night, and uh, I was like, everyone, every background actor looks exactly like all of the students I teach. You know, fashion has come around like that, and I'm like, that's so dumb. All these people look like idiots with their mom jeans, but that's how it happens. When you're you're showing up to, like, class, and you've got, like, your linen shift and your chunky rock jewelry. Yeah, and now 20-year-olds look like that. Yeah. It's wild, man. Like... You see him from afar every now and again, and you're like, are you a time traveler? <laughs> yeah, you look like my mom. Why is your flannel, flannel tied you, around your waist? Oh, my God, Back to the Future was set in 2020. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, yeah. Like, I remember that. Like, you know, we're farther from Back to the Future than Back to the Future was from 1965. Oh, my yeah. gosh. <laughs> that girl's yeah. just wearing a bra. Yeah. I had a student who just wore a bra. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That was a look for a little while. The like the girls just walking around in a like just a sports bra. Yeah. Yeah. This was just a bra. TLC was. Oh, it's just a straight up bra. (laughs) Well, it was like a bra with like a see-through like mesh insert right here. Yeah, just right over. Just on the top part. Yeah. Yeah. Like not even over the mid. Just over the cleavage. Yes. But it was a full like plunge bra with like just some mesh, and I'm like, you guys get it, girl. Like I, you do you. She's an artist. At the sweet metal club full of babes. Yeah. <laughs> that's a thing that exists. Yeah. So this it's like, is a lie. Why do you all look like extras in the club scene in The Matrix? Yeah. <laughs> There's more than four girls there I call bullshit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and Different. on that note. Welcome to What's Wrong With Us, a podcast that asks the question, are you going to finish that? <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, yes. uh, unexpectedly hilarious, actually. <laughs> I'm Lizzie. I'm James. I'm also James. I'm Jazz. And I'm Justin. Yay! Yay! We're all here! The gang's all here. <laughs> Woo! This week we watched 1990 slash 1986 movie The yes. Juniper Tree. Yeah. Hell yeah, yeah, we did. Recently remastered, wonderful film, uh, shot in black and white with uh, a little lady you might recognize as Bjork, the musician, as the character Margit, um, a bunch of other people whose names I'm going to now try to pronounce. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, Lizzie, you are they braver. Are. Yeah. Oh, Icelandic. I am sorry. Um, there, there's a couple daughters in there. Yeah. Brindis Petra Brag. Bragastotter? Bragastotter is Kotler. Valdemir Ornflurgering. Flurgering. 
It's, you sounded like the Swedish chef for a I second. Know. I was surprised that you're just you giving this content away for free. There should be a Patreon-specific show of Lizzie Reads Icelandic. Seriously, <laughs> Lizzie Reads Nordic Languages. <laughs> and bork, bork, bork. Bork, bork, bork. Uh, <laughs> oh, once. Oh, no. Gurlaug Pormar is Jonas. I'm so sorry to everyone. Yeah. We're very sorry. We, we collectively apologize for laughing at you. I don't think we in have. In absentia. No, I don't think we have any listeners in Iceland yet, so it's okay. Oh, boy. Maybe Just maybe whatever. they'll join on this episode yeah, this... the way that South Korea joined for the whaling. Oh, you, Jesus Christ. You think I'd be more prepared by as much many times as I've been to like Ikea and stuff. I was going to say. <laughs> I can't pronounce my furniture either. <laughs> Yeah, me either. Um, so this movie is loosely based on the fairy tale story, The Juniper Tree, collected by the Brothers Grimm. Um, they take their own diversions, but basically it's about a sister, a couple of sisters who are at the beginning of the movie fleeing their hometown from persecution um, and looking for a husband for the oldest uh, sister. They meet Johan and his son Jonas, and they... Um, she gets married to Johan. There's a lot of famili- familial tension because Jonah- Jonas does not like his new stepmother, believes she is a witch, and guess what? She is. Spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> Bjork does some pretty whimsical shit, and the kid ends up dying. <laughs> Bjork plays herself. Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, Bjork didn't know she was in a movie. Uh, I definitely typical. was like, oh, yeah, that's 100% improvised Bjork content. Like, oh, <laughs> hugely. <laughs> and, like, there's this... Like I don't know if you guys have ever seen this. Uh, it's from the '90s, but it's like a video of Bjork fixing a television. Yes, I love that. It's so good, and it's like it's basically this movie. She's yeah, just like <laughs> saying little rhymes to herself, uh-huh. and like and now like, is the, the time when we do when we pull the. Yeah, that's basically what she does. This whole 90 minute movie, and it's yeah. great. It's and, perfect. You know that's why at, we all love her. At yeah. the end, uh, the husband says to Bjork. It's just you and me, and they walk back into the house, and that's about it. (laughs) (laughs) So what was everybody's highs and lows? So we'll just start with highs, because I'm actually kind of, like, struggling a little bit to think of things that I, like, really didn't like about the movie. For sure. Because overall, this movie is gorgeous. Like, Mm -hmm. there's there's so much to like about this movie. You can tell if we've talked about a couple of movies this season where it's very obvious people didn't show up for the movie, and it's, like, people... Involved, like, didn't give a shit about the movie. This is the polar opposite of that experience. Like, everybody involved with this movie is coming from a place of craft and coming from a place of caring about the movie. And it absolutely shows through and through. I love how lyrical and poetic this movie was. Um, The weird little, like, rhymes that uh, Bjork does when she's, like, kind of alone are really compelling the way the they use the spells and it's not just you know nonsense latin words like we've seen maybe in other movies (laughs) um yeah once or twice like the whole every little piece of this movie is intentional and evocative and it is lovely for it one of the things that uh, the the people involved with making star wars always said was that they wanted to create a a future that looked lived in mm-hmm. and create yeah. a set and like that is one of the things that always stuck with me about creating about good world building right totally and that like to create a good world you want to you know make it look lived in and make it look inhabited 
and the little kind of details here and there really make this world seem inhabited by its characters. There's definitely a part where like Jonan goes looking for Katla and she's just like sitting on a rock and he just like walks up and finds her Mm -hmm. and it's like the middle of nowhere and I'm like yeah you just live there and that's just like the sitting rock. Yeah you just know. Like the corner or like mm-hmm. like when you're a little kid and you're playing baseball or something and third base is like the first piece of concrete that's a different color, you know, or the dent in the bush. It's like that's the kind of world that they're living in. And it's like so cool and relatable. Yeah. To your point, that scene would have been ludicrous if it was <laughs> if it was in a different movie. Yeah. Like because of the work that um, everybody in this movie has done up until that scene of making this scene lived in, like that you would laugh out loud at that scene if it was in a different <laughs> movie, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you just happen to be sitting on a fucking rock in the middle of nowhere? Like what the fuck is that about? Like the little bits and pieces of care throughout the movie are great. And um, the movie is shot beautifully. The sound is great. Uh, yeah, that's just, like I can't stop effusing about the movie. Uh, I'd like to agree with everything that James just said, <laughs> except for <laughs> the assertion that Star Wars takes place in the future. Because as we all know, <laughs> a long, long time ago. Exactly. Yeah. You're right. I, obviously, You're right. all of those things are true. Um, this movie is beautiful and textured. And it feels real, but weird. Um, yes. I really, really love yes. it. Yes. Uh, I'd like to also just give out a, a call out to the music. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. And the soundtrack just in general. Yeah. Like at first, you know, there's a little bit of that like lilting sort of recordery music. And I'm like, okay. Right. This seems a little medieval and cutesy, but I get it. But once they start kicking in like the uh, the choral pieces that weave their way oh, yeah. in and out of this movie, and even it, it seems weird to think of it as a callback. I guess it is a uh, precursor to some of the like vocal work that Bjork would do like later in her career, and like absolutely even right, right, right. E- even some of the stuff that she's doing like she she did a couple years ago with the Dirty Projectors. Like yeah, I, I really loved that piece of it that and i didn't notice it as much the first time i watched it and i just i just went through a second time uh yeah and and those music pieces really help weave this thing together yeah i really dug it it was so cool i one of the things i (laughs) thought was great about the music or the just the sound in general was like all the cues of the wailing and and the birds and the noises before they mentioned them happening um, so it's like you are in this experience because so much of this movie is watching it through Bjork's character and how she's experiencing the world in a completely different way than everyone else. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, but you are fully immersed in it with her, which is like yeah. super fun. So it, it's almost like this weird first person perspective from Bjork that we're looking at that I really like. Um, but for uh, funny captioning stories, there the first time that uh, – Jonas and Bjork run outside to see mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, uh, it's like the woman wailing, like the uh-huh, choral uh-huh. vocalizations, and the, the closed captioning said crickets. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that's Cute. not good. That's not correct. <laughs> but isn't it though? But isn't it though? Um, and like maybe, right? Because so much of this movie outside of Bjork's perspective is like, gets back to the idea of like, is this even happening? Like, what totally. is even 
going on? Is this even real? And and I think that's like an interesting thing that maybe we'll talk about a little bit about like just kind of the idea of like magic craft and witchcraft mm-hmm, in general mm-hmm. and like how much of it's real and how much of it is just made up, um, which is a fascinating thing. But um, the other thing I really loved about this movie is because I hate exposition and I loved the way all the rhymes and spells were used as exposition yeah. without actually like, right. well, you're new and we have to tell you about the work, you know, like even when Bjork is discussing um, like what happened in her town with Jonas, like she doesn't get into it. She's just like, oh, there's no people there anymore. And like, you fucking know what that's about. Mm-hmm. And I guess for Lowe's, I don't have any, but it's the same kind of thing as like with Hagazusa, I th- I think this movie is for a very specific type of person. Absolutely, yeah. and you're totally going agree. to get bored. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think I could just like watch this on a casual Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> like, I need my popcorn and I need my atmosphere to watch this film. Otherwise, like I'm gonna see her sitting on the rock. I'm gonna think it looks silly. Yeah, totally. It, to your point, I think that if I were to pick a low, it would be something along those lines, and that like because of this the time and place when this movie was made it is very of it's very of its time and to the point where like stylistically it's been parodied and lampooned a million times <laughs> over as like you know think about any like comedy from the last 30 years they all make the same kind of joke when they talk about like art cinema and yes, in exactly. indie cinema it's yeah. like you know sparse dialogue black and white and it's like <laughs> It's all very, it's been, it's been parodied to death. I know. I laugh, but like that was my low too. Like Mm. this movie, I love it. I can watch Bjork doing shadow puppets. (laughs) Like literally fucking anything. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. Um, That this movie is like to a certain crowd. Like you have to kind of be prepared a little bit to watch it. Um, Yeah. And some people are just not going to like it. They're going to like you have to really pay attention it's really like something that you need to watch because it's beautiful um if you miss like one of the very few lines of dialogue you're like why is this happening yeah why doesn't she like her stew yeah you know right uh (laughs) (laughs) so i really enjoyed this movie you know there's some things going on in the world and so i've been in kind of a weird headspace and was definitely more distracted watching it um naturally than i should have been uh, um, I still enjoyed it. I am like familiar with the original story from Grimm's Fairy Tales, so I was able to like kind of piece things together. And I guess I mean, like as far as high, I think that they did a really good job of adapting that story because yeah, it's a weird fucking story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought that they hit the right plot beats that needed to be in there without you know like the boy is a bird. Yeah. And that kind of thing. But yeah, no, I, I enjoyed this movie a lot. I agree with what everyone else has said. I definitely could stand to go back and watch it again and just absorb it more than I feel like I did. Yeah. Uh, have you all looked at the uh, Rotten Tomatoes page for this film? A little oh, bit, I didn't. Yeah. The critical, you know, critical score for this movie is 100%. Yeah. yeah. yeah and then the scary. audience and score is 59% I want to say <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah that's really telling as to like I mean that speaks to what we're all hitting on mm-hmm. you know super telling critical darling <laughs> not so much something that maybe everyone wants to watch totally yeah it's it's definitely a film for 
movie nerds. Mm-hmm. And and I don't want to say film nerds because you don't have to like study the art of film to enjoy this, but you have to like watch a lot of movies and watch a lot of different kinds of movies yeah. and be really willing to like watch some garbage. Well, this is like know? I mean, it Infinity gets com- War this is not. No, right. <laughs> right, right, right. It gets compared I think a lot to the to Ingmar Bergman's The Seventh Seal. Absolutely. Sure. Um because it's Scandinavian, because it's black and white, and because there's a scene where they're kind of playing chess, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and I totally see it, but I could I could see, like, a film guy just being like, oh, well, if you like that, maybe you should watch the Jennifer yeah. Tree, you know? Oh, my oh, God. Well, you probably haven't heard of it, but, you know. Oh, God. <laughs> I, hate that. I can totally see that it, too. <laughs> Getting back to, like, you know, one of your points in a previous podcast, it's along the lines of writing your fucking film papers on... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> racer head yeah, it's it. like oh, you'd like the seventh seal fuck you well, that's, that's one of the things I'm like so interested in because there's a way and and we do it correctly <laughs> there's a way to like movies right where you're like a fucking like tiny spectacle wearing asshole who talks about like the aperture rate of the film and like oh, you like this maybe you'll like this other movie you never heard of but and then there's a way I talk about films like, yeah, I've seen a lot of fucking bad movies <laughs> and this one's like pretty cool. Yeah. And and I think there's there's some merit to the exposure of watching a lot of film and like being able to just like pick up on the nature of something made well and something not made well. Yeah, I mean, to your point, I think there's a way to like anything that is pretentious and fucking off-putting, right? And, like, I think especially with film and, like, we were talking about earlier off mic uh, and any art form, it's Mm -hmm. really easy to sound like a pretentious douche Mm -hmm. when you talk about it. The mark of people that are, you know, more genuine about it is their ability to engage people where they are, right? Like, even if somebody saw this i wouldn't go recommending seeing no. the seventh seal to them right like right you're not I gonna wouldn't recommend this movie to mo- i'd be like oh you like hagazusa you might like juniper tree you might not i don't know yeah but give it a give it a whirl also i feel like people that like bjork will just like this movie <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> yes yeah, you like weird little <laughs> how yes. do you feel about whimsy yeah <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about Over the Garden Wall? A plus. Oh, okay. A plus. I also love the tagline for this movie. What's uh, it? What it's is it? a twisted tale of witchcraft and mysticism. That's not, not really that it. That tale is not at all twisted. Not what this movie's about at all. There's some stuff, but it's more I, like... I was, I was just going to say, I mean, have you tried this too? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of twisted. Well, I guess let's talk about if this... I mean, let's get into some of the twisted things. Because yeah. we're... Yes. Like approaching this from a horror movie perspective, I guess. Mm. Um, and so I guess that the first thing that I kind of noticed was there's two of my favorite things in terms of horror movies. Human stew. <laughs> okay, three of my favorite things. <laughs> uh, so um, horror movies, obviously, I harp on objection all the time, and mm-hmm. right away we are seen, we're shown objection yeah Yeah. right we are shown this woman laying face down in a river who has been stoned to death and it is told to us via dialogue obviously that that's what happened to the mother that's why they're fleeing yeah um they're seeing this they stoned her and left her for the ravens man yeah it's a castaway dead body and we're gonna come into that visual thing a couple more times in the movie one with um that dead sheep that's just like all crazy. Yeah, it's dude, frozen. It's yeah, so cool. Yeah, 
it took me a second i was like is that oh that's that dead sheep sheep. yeah (laughs) um which is kind of funny to me too because you know that's like their livelihood apparently they appear to be some kind of shepherd yeah yeah so to lose livestock is is terrifying for them yeah it's kind of taps into some of the elements of folk horror that i see in movies is that it's kind of like this precarious balance between life and death and that's kind of where the horror comes from you know kind of balancing it constantly Um, especially since like any good folk horror movie this gives you a ton of isolation all the cast there's five people yeah, in this totally. vast landscape. Yeah, yeah, yes. it's very roomy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So no one's gonna help them. No, uh, no one's gonna help these women specifically in mm-hmm. case this kid decides to try to yell, "I'm a she's a witch, she's a witch" in a field over and over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which yeah. he does. Which he does. <laughs> huh. Yeah, yeah, he, he totally does. does that. She is. Yeah, right. And it's it's so terrifying on on both sides, right? Like if you really immerse yourself into the idea of the story, it's it's. A, a pair of sisters, you know, seeking safety and seeking a place to be. And that's the whole conversation in the beginning. Like, going to find a husband. We're going to find a place to live. We're going to be safe. We're going to be secure. You know, I'm going to bewitch him so he'll never leave me and never hurt me. Mm-hmm. And we'll always have a place to be. Um, and, and then on, like, uh, Jonas and jo- uh, Johan's side, it's like they've lost, you know, their 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 wife their mother mm-hmm. and they're alone and there's like these strange women coming in seemingly you know with with no clear you know background and and no credentials and no way to verify who they are or what their intentions are you know so it's just like two groups being very like suspicious of each other yeah and i from all the medieval historical fiction i have watched in the last couple of months which has been (laughs) considerable this is like kind of the way life was right you don't know much about people um yeah marriage was a transaction you're gonna raise my kid and have sex with me and i'm gonna protect you yeah um and you're gonna help out on the farm you're gonna be the hands i need wool's not gonna cart itself man it can't cart itself itself. that's um kind of a, a one of the things I really liked about this movie, which may or may not have been exactly in the director's mind, but fairy tales, I love them. Um, yeah. Who doesn't, right? But uh, the Grimm's brothers collected a lot of tales, most of the tales from women, and they had been orally passed down for a long time in, in Germany and France and all over Europe. Um, but one of the th- the ways that women would pass the time doing these menial tasks like carding and spinning wool was to tell each other stories yeah which became these uh fairy tales that we like so much and it's kind of interesting to think about it as pure entertainment not necessarily like trying to teach children something maybe it's <laughs> right. trying to like scare someone maybe it's like trying to like excite them i don't know and i mean and also like to so you have to think about too, like these women in these situations are they're fucking bored. <laughs> exactly. You know, they have yeah. no one to talk to. There's no they, music. There's nothing oh, to do. No podcast. No, to to. no podcast. There's no my favorite murder for y'all. Uh-huh. Like they can't know. walk to the kitchen every five minutes and see if there's something new in the refrigerator. Oh um, yeah. God. They, they one just, day there will be. I know. <laughs> <laughs> they just have to sit there and do their chores and like let their mouths and imagination go yeah. or or maybe not imagination, but whatever they memorized, 
you know, and articulate it in some way so they don't go fucking bonkers. Yeah, yeah. And and that's the other thing, like, at this time, too, and I, I felt like this movie did it really well, where kids aren't kids, right? Childhood doesn't exist. Right. It, it's just like, you know, you go from infancy to worker. Like, there's there's no moment for learning and play. Like, that's not a, a thing. You just no. have, you have to have hands and work. Yeah, you not have to, to contribute. Not to, like, the Victorians, and they're like... Oh, childhood and blah blah blah, yeah. and then even then, it was only for rich people. Yeah, but they were just <laughs> little dolls, anyways. So yeah, it was like hardly. But so it's it's you know you you tell these stories because a it's partially like sharing a history, mm-hmm. it's socializing, it's mm-hmm. creating an identity, and it's it's like unifying your group because these aren't kids, so you're not telling them things to like entertain them per se yeah. you're, or you're telling them to entertain yourself yeah, yeah. Some, and I, I think the juniper tree was probably one of those stories that wasn't necessarily told to children yeah at least not until later older yeah. children and i mean little workers little workers just just to talk real quick about you know what happens if you don't have people to tell these stories to i mean we watch hagazusa like <laughs> all yep. it takes is a goat Oh. And uh, you have a completely different kind of time. You have a completely different kind of time. <laughs> I do love there is a line in this movie where uh, it's who's the father? Yonan. Yonan says she's not a goat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he that goes like really real from happy. like completely reasonable to terrible like really quickly <laughs> in that conversation. And then kind of like back to reasonable at the end of the movie. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so but so right. So this is the this is the part mm-hmm. that I think we might get into talking about like witchcraft and mysticism right mm-hmm. because i i feel like what those personality changes are supposed to demonstrate is katla's power over him yeah. yeah you know when is he bewitched and when is he entranced right and so if you are someone who has like some sort of ritualistic um craft mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. for lack of a better immediate term right and so you're so you're going to have Right, in a lot of ways, what she does throughout this movie isn't any different from having, like, a mindfulness practice. <laughs> right? <laughs> she's she's just, just secreting, she's really. She's just kind of fucking saying shit, and she's like, yeah. this is what it's going to be like, and then I'm going to, you know, put a crystal in my bra to, to feel better <laughs> about it. And by crystal in my bra, I mean, like, field mouse seeds next to my pussy? Cool. Yeah, yeah, I feel like that's, like, kind of what I like to think of, like, like witchcraft was um kind of an interesting thing that i noticed in the credits was that there was an herbal consultant yeah hell yes nice oh man i want to know who that person was something 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 jaw daughter what i mean is like (laughs) right like uh, bork 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 it was Um, it was someone ragnar's daughter or magnus daughter or but like what i mean is like i the picture like just can you picture the woman who is in like 1980s Iceland yes. who's like an herbalist. Yes. Like yeah. I am so, I, she sounds fucking awesome. Totally. They also had um, a folk music collector. Yes. yes. <laughs> and that, yeah, it just goes Dude. back to that point of like, People fucking showed up for this movie. Like, they knew what they were making and yeah. they made it. They Did weren't they... like trying to do some fake witchcraft. They were like herbalist. This Tell is me what yeah. they would do. <laughs> totally. And like, this is also like the kind of thing that people, like, 
this is almost like you know a joke at this point. Like this is like the the people like the cast of characters when somebody is like parodying who Bjork is, right? Like, <laughs> it's like oh, and there's like a folk music collector and an herbalist, and like they all went to the woods with Bjork and made a fucking movie. And it's like no, that actually happened, That's and we yeah. watched it. That was, that was <laughs> definitely I loved an, it. an yeah. SNL skit at some point. Yeah. but and, so it's like this this push and pull, right? Mm-hmm. So if she's like doing these rituals right she's doing them to make herself feel better to make herself feel secure um and when it seems like it's working yeah right that's that's reaffirmation for her she's like Mm -hmm. oh he fucking slapped me in the face for getting in a fight with his little worker and then it's his son um uh, (laughs) little worker (laughs) little worker uh but um you know but then the next minute like he was nice to me and touched my boob. My spell is working because he really hates me, you know, but my spell is working. When in reality, right, it's just humans are complex and we have a range of emotions and things can change quickly, especially if you're in high stress situations like living on a fucking goat farm in the middle of Iceland. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And a person who's in a very precarious situation like like she was would want to have something to fall back on to be like, this makes me feel better. This is something that I could actually do to make my situation better. Whether or not it's actually working, I think it's up to all you witches out there to tell me. I just, just wanted to say that I was uh, I was looking through some synopses of this film that, you know, uh, watcher, you know, film film watchers had written, and a few of them talked about uh, you know, he he tries he tries to leave but he can't because the power of her magic is too strong. Uh, and one of the things that I really, really appreciate about this movie is, uh, despite how sort of seriously it takes the idea of ritual and practice, it never really yeah. posits a, whether or not magic is real. Um, like, it, it doesn't ever take that position really one way or the other. There's nothing a bit about this that couldn't be explained away. Yeah. You know, like, like Bjork sees visions, but those could easily be delusions. And everything else that's mm-hmm. happening in sort of the inter-family dynamic could just be people being complex. I really like. I really love that uh, that interplay of like she is doing this to feel power, and does she actually have power? And does she have right. power in the way that she imagines she does? Like, I think that yeah, is a lot right. cooler than she bewitched him, and that's just the end of the story. I totally agree. And I think one of the things that really illustrates that point is kind of one of the last scenes where the little worker falls off the cliff. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I love that we're going with this. Yeah. <laughs> it's better than trying to save the other names. Uh, <laughs> and she uh, finds his body and is like kind of saying a spell that means he's never going to tell anyone while yeah. sewing up his lips. So good. And then, like, putting his finger into the family stew, saying, whoever eats this shall never tell. And, like, he doesn't need any incentive not to speak. He's dead, right. you know? But it's really just for her to make her feel better that this isn't going to come back and, like, hurt her specific circumstances. Right. Yeah. You're taking all the, the safeguards. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, shit, I've done something wrong. I really need to hide this. And... You know, nowadays we hide fault. things with bleach. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, back then they they do it by sewing your mouth shut. Yeah, um, and I think what supports that point largely is like Bjork uh, shows up later and says like, "Oh, 
she killed him and her power, her entire imagined power evaporates in an instant. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like the entire Machiavellian house of cards she's kind of set up is just gone. And yeah. she has to like in she's a split like, second steal the horses and fucking bounce. <laughs> but yeah. for, from the viewer too, right, we can still justify it because Bjork didn't eat the stew. She and did. She, she did just not. didn't. She didn't eat the. She didn't eat the stew. She didn't eat the stew. Oh, she, good call. Yeah, she, so she took didn't. the finger and then buried it. And so, so this is like that interesting thing getting into like these ideas of ritual and craft. So I've, I've been in like different settings with like people practicing their own versions of craft, mm-hmm. and um, and people learning um ritual from from people who have practiced for a long time, and a lot of people will say like who are new to it, they'll be like, well. How do I know which parts are happening and which parts I make pretending? And you're like, there's not a difference. Those are the same thing. Like, <laughs> did you make it up or is it really happening? Like, doesn't matter. What matters is like your mental satisfaction about the outcome. And and so it's like one of the things I always like to talk about is my superpower. Mm-hmm. So I have a great superpower where I always, if I'm in a public place, I always know when to go to the bathroom when there's no line. And it is always accurate, right? And so that's like just another like self-affirmation. It's like, oh, am I making this happen because I know like intrinsically like it's time to go to the bathroom? Or is, you know, it's just enough self-affirmation and feeling good and feeling in control of your situation that you have come to different coping mechanisms in your life to stay sane and move forward also uh just looking at the credits there was also a craft consultant Fuck. wow yes so, so that's great yeah fuck yeah i i'm still stuck on this woman who was the herbalism consultant <laughs> in my head i'm picturing you know like somebody who's like very like you know late 80s fashion wise maybe like a big cable knit sweater but also looks like emma thompson's character in the harry potter movies <laughs> nice. nice like nailed it giant glasses huge poofy hair <laughs> also the same person who was the herbal consultant on this movie uh was the prosthetic truck driver in dead snow 2 wait what yes that is a, also is a credit. I don't actually know if it's the same person or just another person named Helga Mogensen, because maybe it's a completely different it person. A wow, what a Renaissance name. woman! But yes, her IMDb page has those two credits. So <laughs> hell yeah, I'm here for it. One of the things that struck me about this movie while I was watching it, and I made a note about it. Um, the first thing was that um, it was creepy in the way that like. Fawnwood's art is creepy. Yeah. Um, uh, Miranda, Miranda Zimmerman, Zimmerman, right? Is that is that artist's name? Yeah, her handle is at Fawnwood. Um, where it's all kind of like it's all on my water bottle here, but all okay. of these like. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, all those things. All the like animals that are like vaguely like twee and cute, but also just as vaguely creepy and unnerving, like yeah, a goat with legs, seventeen eyes and six everywhere. legs. Um, which sounds creepy, but then you look at it, you're like, oh, that's kind of cute. And then the other thing that struck me about it was how it is the exact opposite of the Blair Witch movie that we watched. (laughs) Yeah. And because the Blair Witch movie is a very run-of-the-mill 
horror movie in a lot of ways that has kind of this like aesthetic trappings of folk horror. And this is a fairy tale with the aesthetic trappings in a couple of places of a horror movie. So I, I like that you bring it up in contrast mm-hmm. with the Blair Witch, because I think if we look at both of these movies through the family context, right? Cause in Blair Witch, he's looking for his missing sister and there's like a bunch of trauma and grief around that. And so then they get into a crazy situation. Um, and in this movie, it, it's so much loss and so much family drama, right? Because the girls, everyone loses their mother in this movie. Everybody loses yeah. their mother. Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's, um, there's the part where Jonas brings Bjork to his mother's grave. And for all sense of purposes, Jonas is like sharing his mother's grave with Bjork mm-hmm. because she doesn't know where her mother is. She can't visit her. And, and so they're sharing like this trauma and, and almost in a way like making their dead mothers one person. Yeah. Um, because he even says later to Bjork like, oh, you can be where I'm from, but you, not her, but not her, not your sister. And, and that's kind of like bringing her into his family and adopting her and sharing his mother with her in this just like really tender, beautiful way. And then, you know, inversely, like Bjork tries to share her mother with him when she has her visions of her mother. And and I I like that turned against the Blair Witch where it's supposed to be this movie like all about his missing sister and his plight for his sister and always wanting to know what happened to his sister, but like never does he try to make another human connection. He mm-hmm. just like fucking fox molders it. <laughs> <laughs> It's just, all pencils thrown at the ceiling. Yeah, and just like fixated. It's 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 about him, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's about him and his selfishness. Whereas in this film, the family drama is about like sharing loss and, and and trudging it together. Because in Blair Witch, he doesn't even share that trauma with his best friend, who like searched for his sister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting how uh, so often, you know, in, in like in the postmodern context, when people are trying to do like adult takes on fairy tales, that means that they just add a bunch of like sex and violence to them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Whereas this this approach to the uh, adult fairy tale is just sort of imagining what if the wicked stepmother was a person? <laughs> yeah. 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 It's kind of in the grand tradition of like wicked or <laughs> sure that the terrible maleficent movies oh yeah. my god like, i haven't seen them. those but they look objectively horrible they're all bad and i don't know about wicked i haven't engaged we saw we but... saw a 3d trailer for their, one of the maleficent movies and since <gasps> then i have only ever wanted to see it because the 3d looks so good <laughs> i don't want to watch the movie i just want to watch the 3d <laughs> i mean i always like the witches and stuff so um the next thing I thought we would talk about is I know that we kind of get into what is a or if, if this is a horror movie later. But let's I think that this being a fairy tale, we should start hashing out like how this might apply to horror language. Absolutely. So, sounds like we're going to talk about fairy tales. Yeah. I need a beer. I need a fucking beer, man. I mean, I just want beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so when I, I suggested this movie, I kind of thought maybe it was a stretch. 
Um, I actually hadn't watched it, but I knew the story of the Juniper Tree, and I knew it which was... Which is terrifying. Which is yeah. totally, like, horror-y, <laughs> it's right? It's fucked up. How familiar yeah. are you guys with the actual... Not at all. ...fairy tale? No. Uh, there's yeah. more... Oh, yeah, yeah, Justin. Justin. Oh, Justin knew oh, about Justin. it. Oh, Justin. I'm shocked. What? <laughs> <laughs> Basically, in the story, it is a wicked stepmother, and she lops off the son's head because she is jealous. Mm-hmm. And, and because uh, the kid's a little shit. God, that kid was a shit. I mean, probably, but mostly because she's evil. And then she frames her daughter into believing that she knocked off the kid's head off by accident. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, she like... Yes. She kills her stepson, then puts his head back on his body with a handkerchief over his neck. Much like we said we were going to do to Lizzie's niece and nephew after she had her surgery and pretend like her head was going to fall off if her handkerchief came off. Yeah. Except she actually did it, this, this wicked stepmother. Isn't that a bit in, like, Death Becomes Her? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, she's like, oh, go go, uh, go wake your brother up. Oh, yeah, just... Uh, if he doesn't respond just when you call him, him just, on the head. just like hit him on the head. And his head flies off. And then off. his head flies off. Yeah. Uh, and so they, they lose their shit and stuff. And then she's like, well, there's no other choice, but we have to chop him up and cook him in a stew. Yeah. Yes. Sorry, I don't make the rules, guys. <laughs> this is how it works. Very and this is Medea. actually one thing that I really love about horror movies is that there's this element of magical realism to them where like all this crazy stuff happens and you just assume that it makes sense. You know? Yeah. The, the, like, it. It's great that you brought up uh, magical realism because this book is like a fucking Gabriel Garcia Marquez story. Absolutely, like, yeah. It's, it's just like 100 Years of Solitude. You're just 100% like 100 <laughs> like that. Like, yeah, we're just like a bunch of wacky shit happens. Like, oh yeah, sure. Yeah, that's just what happens in this <laughs> place. Yep. Those are the rules. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm good with it. And so the lady feeds this stew to this to her husband. Husband, and yeah. he is just so into it that he asks for seconds and. Needless to say, the sun turns into a bird. Yes. Yeah. And, <laughs> and knows what birds know. Yeah. yeah. Collects like certain favors from different uh, workers around the village, gets a millstone, gets a, some uh, other yeah, stuff. Yeah, I forget all the specific details, but essentially haunts the wicked stepmother. Yeah, and, and goes around singing like a very incriminating song. <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude. Yeah, totally. It, she's a witch. She's a witch. My my favorite part about this that story is how the uh, bird will go and and sing to the villagers, and they'll say, "Oh, what what is that beautiful song, bird? Will you sing it again?" And he says, "I don't sing for free. You gotta give me stuff." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It's fucking great. He's just like, uh, "Daddy needs to eat." Yeah, Papa. And by eat, I mean get my revenge on my wicked stepmother. <laughs> give me that red shoes, and I'll give you a taste. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> First one's free, buddy. I'm a bird. What do you want from me? Yeah. Give me that millstone. I'm going to drop it on this lady's head. Does he drop the millstone on her head? Yeah, totally. Yes, Fuck yeah. And then the dad it. dies too, and I forget how. Yeah. But As opposed sis- to just leaving like he does in the movie? Well, dad stays. Uh, Doesn't si- he? Sister mom leaves in the yeah, movie. Yeah, she bails. Remember? Because it's just dad and Bjork at the end. No, d- uh, the very the very last scene. The very last scene is, is him dad, riding off. Dad pieces out with a horse. No, that's her. No, Bjork is in the house. Not Bjork, the sister, the sister mom. The sister mom. No, because the last scene I think is the um the guy and he he hears the voice of his wife calling his name and he's kind of getting sexy with the pillow. Yeah, but then wake up. I, I assumed that was um the yeah Katla's what voice. Yeah, the witch's voice. Yeah, yeah. 
And that was it, right? No. Were... So, oh, oh no, no. no. I thought that was Bjork underneath the, the northern sky, the, like the Aurora Borealis type thing. It is. It is. But I think but what I home. think is, isn't the scene after that, they're sitting outside and he goes, hey, it's just us now. And then it like cuts to like him riding off over the hill. And Bjork longingly Bjork... looking out the window. And because I remember I said, James, is this how you become an old hag alone in the woods because I yeah. want this I mean, to happen. Oh, I guess I, I really, fully believe you. I I, I really I thought that was the sister. Me too. I thought it was something else, but because I kind of thought, and maybe this is just me informing what I think would happen, but uh, like he's like, oh, it's just you and me. And in real life, it would in medieval times, it would probably be like, I guess you're my new wife now. Yeah, absolutely. But, and like that's kind of the vibe you get from that well, from the movie itself, you get more like, I guess I'm your dad vibe now. It's like less sexy. But yeah, but yeah I get how it would. And I thought that. I was like, oh, is she your wife? No, is Bjork no. not pregnant in the last scene that you see her? She is? No, I kind of thought so. Because she looked kind of pregnant. I, th- I think Bjork is pregnant in the last scene you see her. Is actually pregnant, though. Mm. Yeah. She had a kid around the time of this movie. Okay, yeah. That would make sense. But yeah, no, I'm, ve- I'm very confident. Cause, so Kotla rides off with the three horses. And then it's just them alone now. And then, because the end of it is um, Bjork is, the very last scene is Bjork sitting under the juniper tree with the crow above her. Right. And and Jonan riding away on like a newly acquired horse. It's just like, one of these things that I kind of picked up on the, like they're like, Bjork's always asking Kotla like, what's it like to be married? And Kotla's like, oh, well, when you know, you know. And so I kind of felt like this was kind of, a confirmation of Bjork now knowing. Yeah, yeah, I'm in. I'm into that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I concur with that. I think that's that. That yeah, was yeah. also my read. Yeah, it, it is the the movie is very subtle with with these things too. Mm-hmm. Like, there's definitely the part where, you know, she's trying to get pregnant, so she ties the little sack of herbs to her thigh, and then they they fuck. <laughs> but you know, they there's no all of the sex scenes are either from very far away. Or, you know, very fully clothed or that one that should, you know, with the the little bag of herbs, all it mm-hmm. focuses on is the little mouse. Yeah. Um, so it, it it does do these kind of like looking away moments very well and just wants you to like, yeah, you're a big kid. You know what happened. <laughs> and, and I think that's the same thing with like Bjork's ending storyline. Yeah, it's interesting that like the, basically the only like nudity you see in this is when uh they are asleep and bjork goes and and touches the the sleeping couple yeah that's really interesting and creepy (laughs) james oh james the whole time was like what are you doing don't touch them yeah no don't touch them (laughs) yeah yeah she was just like cupping her breasts and i was like no 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 no, what was that what was your guys's read on that scene i thought she was trying to like tap her sister awake that's some reason that was my read as well but also, yeah, there was maybe a slightly awkward hand placement. I don't know. But I, it was hard to tell. I, I was reading a like longing for like womanhood there. Um, yeah, and I know That's I know I that New York kind of was actually in her early twenties. Um, but I think that we are supposed to read her as being younger. Sure. Absolutely, I think that's fair. Well, I think the other thing that I could see that scene kind of referencing would be her trying to see if her sister's pregnant in that context, like yeah. kind of like grabbing her breast to be like, oh, like 
are is your body changing i feel like i, I because like i have the sight yeah like uh, our mother does i sense something is different totally or again bjork was just walking in on the scene that she wasn't supposed to be on and she just grabbed that lady's yeah i mean move. this also assumes that boob. bjork knew she was in a movie which turns out <laughs> yeah which maybe no <laughs> nope did not so so much about this scene this movie in general is so sad and because you were talking about how, you know, like adultizing fairy tales, right? Mm-hmm. But in reality, like fairy tales are already very adult. Like there's a lot of like death and murder and magical realism and like what in the, in the Little Mermaid she like turns into tear or sea foam. Yeah, yeah. it's like sea fucking foam. gruesome. Totally. It's so sad. Yeah, and um, <laughs> and so I think that's like this interesting thing about how well suited fairy tales are for folk horror because it is putting all of that that fear and longing and loneliness and consequence like into a story we just like made them weird for kids so we forgot that they're good yeah yeah and but if you keep all that like sorrow and isolation in them you know they they're perfect folk horrors did y'all read uh, the Her Body and Other Parties? That was the short story collection from uh, Carmen Miranda Machada. Is that her na- her last name? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah came out last right. year and, or a couple years ago, won a bunch of awards. Um, but that does the same sort of thing. It takes like the Angela Carter approach to like, um, let's do sort of sophisticated fairy tales fr- from the perspective of a woman with agency. But rather than making them, like, sexy and dark necessarily, it uh, puts in a lot of, it puts back a lot of the emotional subtext. And I, I feel like it, the, the project of a lot of those stories um, was very similar to the project of this movie. Mm. And I think they both do it very well in slightly different ways. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree. And I, I, I love that book. It was so beautiful. Um, but one of the things that you kind of hit on that's I think really interesting about this movie and the way that folk horror kind of deals with fairy tales is it's like a good translation right so I remember um, uh, maybe a decade ago this really good translation of Don Quixote came out mm-hmm. where like it's it's just this hilarious book all about like eating onions and cross-dressing and it's like super silly and wacky it's it's very much like a like a scooby-doo mystery um because that was the way the story was told at the time it was like it wasn't this like massive piece of literature you know it was a funny story that we told to entertain ourselves and and swap stories around a campfire um and i think that's a thing that we lose a lot of the context around fairy tales and and i think the thing in this movie that i really like that it shows um it seems pretty clear to me that the reason their village is destroyed is because the christians have come in yeah and the christians are cleansing this area Mm -hmm. of the pagans and you know jonah and jonas are christians Mm -hmm. um and and so it's finding a place in in this new world and and the clash of these two cultures which aren't very far apart from each other it's happening right now you know so it's not scary and it's not weird to the characters in the book and and as we watch it further away we like add a lot of subtext to it that maybe isn't in the characters 
and when we can like watch it more authentically and more in context it like becomes these deep interesting stories that aspect of it is wholly a creation of the movie it's not in really the, yeah totally it's nice. not in the fairy tale <laughs> i still but um, but if you think about the fairy tales right it's like for sure. not it's not unlike that time period sure that these stories were being written because so they don't write it into the stories but it's assumed that like this is this is kind of a thing that's happening this is the actual world we're living in for sure like the the point of the juniper tree is that that's where the mom is buried mm-hmm. and so like she gives birth to the son and then dies mm. seems like in childbirth but yeah i mean the, the story doesn't really have the same kind of witchcraft elements right. necessarily or and like um I think that's a really good read of the movie for sure, mm-hmm. what you just said. But I, I don't know that it's necessarily uh, indicative of the original story. That's fair. I see fairy tales as being almost holy for entertainment. Yeah. At least in their original forms, like the, you know, women like spinning wool, telling stories to entertain each other. And sometimes they might, might be scary, you know? Yeah. Um, which is something we still do. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Like, yeah, it's called Tiger King. No, that was sad. <laughs> Which I'm not. I haven't watched it, and I won't. Oh no! It's, White trash Game of Thrones. It made me feel like, oh, no. like the world needed really? to stop. Yeah, Uh-oh. I haven't seen it. <laughs> no, I no. I mean, to. I don't suggest. Or what's watching the other? It. Don't don't fuck with cats. I it's, think is the other one right oh, now. I mean, that's different. I also but it's haven't also seen bad. That. I refuse. Yeah, I mean. Uh, so I did mention that this might have been a stretch when we when I proposed it. I'm glad we watched it. I really liked. The I'm really movie. glad we watched really it. Really glad. Um, totally. I did find this uh, article on Bloody Disgusting talking about the Holy Trinity mm-hmm. uh-huh. specifically. Uh, and I know there's some debate as to what, uh, if these are even horror movies. Some would say maybe we've even deba- debated maybe it on this podcast. Maybe we uh, go back a few episodes and see <laughs> I what we said. You. I know you were chasing geese and things, but you yeah. were here on our heart. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I was listening to them while I watered my graves and... <laughs> uh, can yes. I say though about this film? It's gonna go in final thoughts. Um, uh-huh. I, I do love how they're looking at the grave, and it's like so lovely, and they're making daisy chains upon the grave, and then the last scene, like a fully formed tree, is in the middle of the grave. Oh yeah, totally. And I'm just like yeah. <laughs> okay. Also, not a juniper tree. Not a juniper <laughs> tree. <laughs> Interesting at all. And it like clearly grew from the little boy's finger. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. It's like, was that there the whole time? It was not. No, it was not. I thought this. Uh, these were interesting to think about. Uh, thinking about this movie too. So the first one is they're English. No, but no. So I guess that's a strike one. But whatever. Well, uh, I mean, it's it's not. I meant no less than no, less no. than the fact that this movie is in English and more is like I don't think that folk horror is exclusively the purview of the English. I don't either. I think maybe broadly European is probably okay to say in this yeah. context because it's just sort of what they might have been dealing with via having been invaded by the Vikings and having this um, kind of... Having a couple thousand more years of history than we do. Yeah, and a clash between like Christianity and nature and stuff like that. Yeah, I think like all... I think um, the... I, I, I completely agree with you that it's absolutely broadly european in context Mm -hmm. simply because at its heart it's probably a lot of unresolved issues from like um the conversion to christianity some people deal with them very poorly like the black metal scene in scandinavia Mm -hmm. (laughs) um number two what did they ever do 
Oh, they... <sighs> Look, look they did some stuff. Pay attention to our Patreon for our <laughs> five part documentary on what the black metal scene did. <laughs> look, man. Oh. All I'm saying, those churches had it coming. So by the way, this is our second of three Scandinavian folk horror movies in a row. Hey. Um so number two, they portray a belief in animism or paganism, i.e. divine force imminent in nature. Yeah. And yeah. this totally, right? Hundred percent. Like the one of the things that I love about this movie is how um, it is very animist. It's not yes. like they're not like you know in, for example, in uh, uh, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, the witches are very explicitly satanic witches. Yeah, uh-huh, and uh-huh. like in a lot of other um, kind of folksy horror-y movie, like the Blair Witch, the Blair Witch is like a singular force. Whereas I think in it, absolutely in this movie, and I think in some of the better movies that we've seen this season, it is absolutely a general sense of unease or a gen like, and it's much more generalized whatever the forces at work are. Yeah, and I I think like even in the Unholy trilogy, there's like uh, Blood on Satan's Claw and. Which Which finder general? general. They're more like they're like scared of Satan based, and to me, that's not necessarily folk horror. That's a cult horror. Yeah, yeah. Which is like blurry or whatever. But I think Witch Finder General, like I like what you were saying, James. Witch Finder General does do this thing where the evil is a little nebulous and hard to point out. So they have like a person to me in that one. Oh yeah, right. No, no. But I mean, like for them, right? Mm -hmm, For mm -hmm. so for Matthew Hopkins, like it. It's difficult to figure out who a witch is, so they have to do all these tortures to decide who a witch is. And and I feel like that's been an interesting theme in like the really good folk horror movies we've watched is like the evil is a little nebulous and it's a little like why why is that evil? It's not one thing, it's not like Satanists or, you know, an evil opposing witch in the woods. You know, it's the good ones have been like, Yeah, I don't I don't know. She like lives alone and has kind of a tough life and maybe <laughs> yeah. hates you i don't know yeah for for me like <laughs> if there's any evil in the movie it's like the evil of fear yeah right the fear yeah. of like uh being a woman alone the fear mm-hmm. of like being a witch or being someone called a witch perceived as being a yeah, witch being being persecuted as a result of quote being a witch yeah by the way is this the only movie that uh we've watched this season made by a woman perhaps Maybe. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think just maybe. I think so, yeah. Which is awesome. I read an article that was like Ari Aster, Jordan Peele, and some other third guy was saving horror movies. And I'm like. Oh, the guy who made The Lighthouse. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Robert, Robert Eggers. Eggers. Robert, Robert Eggers. I love, the, I love them all. but can I we, love them all. But like. Can we all just get a lady? Can can? Well, I mean, that's. Everyone keeps being like, oh, Jordan Peele's new movie, Candyman. And it's like. It's directed by a woman. a woman of color. And I'm really excited uh, about that. Yeah, Great. totally. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Number three. They put forth ideas of human sacrifice or punishment at ways hmm. to appease ancient spirits of land or location. And I don't necessarily think that... Uh, well, I mean, it could be said that this movie does that. I think the original story does. Mm-hmm. Because um, there's a lot of sacrificing uh, <laughs> by way of murder. Um, (laughs) this is like kind of accidental and i don't think anyone benefits from it yeah yeah i'd say it harms everybody yeah 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 well i do see at least in 
in this one, the finger in the soup is definitely a ritual for, you know, the atonement of deeds gone wrong. I, what what <laughs> was the last part of the line you just said exactly? Oh, oh. As ways to appease ancient spirits of the land. Yeah, so, I, you know, almost, maybe not of the land, but of his mother, you know? Uh, so, the mother is definitely a part of the land at this point, right? Yeah, so it's, it's very much a way to, like, to silence the land and silence the sun and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and to make this kind of appeasement for her life to go on. So I, I vibe that. Yeah. One of the things that I think is really interesting about that death scene is that she doesn't actually kill him. Uh, right. right. Like, even though she taunts him, like, in the end, what happens is that he just trips. But she can't go at home and tell her husband, like, oh, your your son tripped and fell off, like, the cliff. Yeah. Because he would <laughs> right. immediately think, like, oh, you pushed him, like, you killed him. Absolutely. So Your shitty it, it, kid who's mean to me. <laughs> yeah, so it's, a, it's, it's sort of ironic that she has to go, like, cover it up and act like it's a murder even though it wasn't because no one would believe her if you know if it was if she just claimed that it was the accident that it kind of was yeah i've listened to enough true crime that i feel like i've heard these stories before like people who panic (laughs) yeah i mean sometimes it is quite unbelievable too yeah in the case of like Several people I can think of but who chop their bodies up and like, oh, I had to. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's true. That's a good point. And like, I mean, it's not, she's not doing a sacrifice. I mean, she's kind of like going through the motions of. Mm-hmm. But it's a ritual appeasement. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. it, it is still. Um, it It is her becoming involved in his death when she yeah, wasn't before. Right. And that one, the last scene of. Uh, the body, the boy's body, like under the water, being eaten by the fish. That's kind Such of a good scene. Really wonderful, and um, I still haven't figured out exactly how they made that scene, but I'm entranced. <laughs> yeah, me it. either. It's so good. Which scene? Where the fish is eating the little boy? Yeah, I still like, think that he's like laying down, like so behind good. an aquarium of some but kind. The fish oh, but yeah. like he might be, he might be in water. Like yeah. cause I can't, I couldn't really tell from the way his hair is moving, but that like. In front of him could be a small aquarium with some fish that are just kind of like, and it's like a, a but forced perspective. even if perspective. he's in, sure. even if he's, it doesn't. So the the part in that that's not bothering me is like, yeah, sure, I don't care if fish are pecking on his face or not. <laughs> Little kid is underwater if he's underwater. <laughs> like he's got all of that makeup on too. Like brutal. Yeah. So I don't. Or I don't it's know. A, his, or it's a dummy. It might be. A, maybe yeah. a dummy. I don't think they had the money till the in money 1986 to do all to that. Do a yeah. silicon dummy, but <laughs> maybe they did. Maybe, maybe I'm they, wrong. I love that. They scene. blew their budget right there. Right but there. I think like even though she's not actually murdering the kid, um, it's still returning to nature in kind yeah. of a way that you yeah. could view as being like divinely necessary or something i don't know yeah divinely inspired if nothing else like they we've established that they both have very animist beliefs like Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. know bjork is uh you know talking to the to her environment it's not just to herself like um they reference (laughs) yeah no i'm just laughing at number five oh which is they portray landscape in an aesthetic way visuals or sound that feel strange scary evocative weird or unsettling Absolutely. Check. check. Yep. Yeah. Nailed big, it. Big check. I think the only movie that does this better is Hagazusa. Right. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, the entire country of Iceland is that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do yeah, remember. Absolutely. So I've never been to Iceland, but I do remember, Justin, from when you and uh, Megan went, you were telling us stories about like the, the hot springs and the all the cool stuff. Oh, that's so and, and they showed it. Yeah. Like, they showed them walking through like the steam and... And I, I felt very, in the same way that when I was watching Hagazusa, and I was like, oh, where is this, Austria? And then they showed the, the Alps. I was like, oh, yeah, it is. Um, it was it was a similar thing. It's like I knew it was in Iceland, but then the, they showed the steam. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's a very different place than I've ever been. <laughs> I'd love to go there. Field trip. Podcast trip. trip. Yeah. Um, number six, they were created in the wake of the second occult revival when people's curiosity about ancient myths and lore was awakened mm. uh no i mean maybe third or fourth yeah i was gonna say like we're like a couple of occult revivals down the road at yeah. this point <laughs> yeah. um i think you know i think this was just bjork maybe it herself was, yeah it's a documentary about bjork's childhood this is just this movie is a documentary of bjork's life <laughs> Much like Mandy was Nick Cage's documentary about how he thought he had a girlfriend. Yeah. yeah. How he thought he had a girlfriend and then killed a bunch of people. This yeah. is Bjork and she thinks her mom's dead and this is what's happening. Yeah, yeah. It's her mom's her dead and that her, bro- uh, her stepbrother's a, a raven. Like, yeah, that's cool. It's so okay. clear. She, he's yeah. come back. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I love that list of like folk horror points from Bloody Disgusting. I like Bloody Disgusting. I don't know if I love how like on the nose some of those um, yeah. are. It's like so reductive in a way. So yeah, reductive. it's like they literally just watched um, the, the Wicker Man and were like, oh yeah, these things happen in the Wicker Man. Right. So it's very right. clearly how all horror, uh, full horror should be, which isn't a bad place to start. No. I just think, to your point, it's incredibly reductive. Yeah, I mean, you could just go make a podcast and talk about <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, like, come on, guys. Come on. <laughs> come on. I, I totally agree. And I think that, um, well, Justin made a point when y'all were talking about the holy trilogy about um one movie being the mc5 and another movie being the being iggy pop (laughs) you know yeah Yeah, i I, I just just which two movies was that again i forget uh i i think that i i said that uh which fighter general was the mc5 because it was like proto folk horror Yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 um so if yeah absolutely if MC5 is Witchfinder General, which is proto folk horror, mm-hmm. fairy tales in general are like the original R and B groups that those <laughs> yeah. bands were listening to. It's like to. Muddy yeah. Waters or something. Totally. It's like Delta Blues or something. Yeah, because it's like <laughs> proto proto folk horror. Like they're they're taking all these elements for sure. But is this a horror movie? Huh? And is that a segment we do? Maybe it is. And huh. Wait, I've got it. Okay. These fairy tales are Robert Johnson specifically. <laughs> yeah, okay. These fairy tales are the blue are the blues artists, the the blues artists who literally started the trope of going to the crossroads and selling your soul to Satan to be able yeah. to play the guitar. Yeah, that. Okay, okay. Yeah, that. Do, 
Do you guys know that? Yeah, a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah like yeah. Ro- the Robert Johnson's the blue, the blue artist. Yeah, who's yeah. Like, that whole trope was started because he, he that re- guy, yeah. was so good at guitar. They're like, he must have. He, this is what he did. <laughs> I love that. And of course, him being who he was, he was like, he played into it a little bit. Like, but. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like, like, oh, yeah, I did that. On a serious note, we've kind of talked about it before. I, I think at its roots, a folk horror movie is something that uses some sort of established story that we Mm -hmm. can relate to or is in the mythos um, like we saw with Via Um, and even though they like heavily adapted Junior Petrie like this Mm -hmm. um, like the Puritan stories in The Witch um, and uses our understanding of those tales to make something new that will preserve and perpetuate that story and i think that is is a primary mechanic of folk horror and then they do it in hyper isolation hyper stylized landscape and then to justin's point it has to be a very specific um conflict yeah and and i think this movie does have all those because it's you know it's working with a real fairy tale and so those are really important Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and it does change it enough to make it maybe like a new people have never read Juniper tree like me because I didn't do my homework, um, you know. And I can see it, and I'd be like, "Oh, I can see where this story goes and where it leads into, and what and what my um, stories I'm supposed to extrapolate out from it are, even if they're different from the actual folktale." Yeah, you know, and then keep it really rooted in this good conflict of, you know, one one world ending and another world starting. But is it a horror movie? Because we've established that it can be folk horror and maybe not horror. It can be folk horror um, based on a lot of like check checkpoints that I think that it's going to make just based on the fact that it's based on a folk tale that yeah. is horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> there's some things that I think I need a horror movie to do that this doesn't for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is scare me. Or, <laughs> I mean, a lot of movies don't. A lot of horror Fair. movies don't scare me, but like it needs to give me something terrible or a feeling like everything is awful. Yeah, and I think that in general, the the movie ends on a fairly positive vibe where yeah. they're like, she didn't mean to kill him, you know, and it seemed like if she came back, it would be fine. Right. Not like there would be like vengeance or anything yeah. and i yeah, think and in our watching of the story he goes after her and it's like very yeah. beautiful um so i i don't think this is a horror movie after all i yeah i'm with you i also don't think it's a horror movie and yeah. i like the way the way you said it like mm-hmm. it yeah it doesn't scare me but right a lot of horror movies they don't don't scare me yeah which is fine but i understand that they were supposed to i also don't think this was supposed to scare me yeah, I right. think and in the way in the way I've been kind of trying to think about it it's like the witch is a family drama that devolves into a horror movie mm-hmm. and and so I think the way a lot of folk horror becomes horror is it does the zero to Suspiria pivot <laughs> yeah right no, right. no I the totally wicker agree. man yeah, isn't yeah. quite a horror movie until they burn someone alive mm-hmm. <laughs> um <laughs> The witch isn't quite a horror movie until like Black she shows up. makes a deal with the devil, um, <laughs> and and so a lot of these movies aren't quite horror movies. You know, Hagazusa she bursts into flames. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and even that, like maybe maybe not a horror movie. We kind of 
There's yeah, we were on the fence. Kind of, kind of the fence. But right. so, but there's no pivot at the end of this. There's no, there's no. I even though I love the ending and I think it's very good, there's no thing to cement it as different, and no thing to make it different from a family drama. And so, as I watch this movie, it's just a really sad family drama. You don't think that feeding the child of a man to the man is slightly horrific. I mean, I don't I, know what happens in Iceland. No. <laughs> I was going to say, so like, I, I'm with you, Lizzie, that like this movie doesn't hit a lot of the buttons that I need horror movies to hit mm-hmm. to call them horror movies. But to your point just now, James, like <laughs> the, the murder comes out of fucking nowhere. Like a little bit. She like, uh, and it is it is a murder. Like she basically tell it's like she tells the kid to to fucking jump off the cliff. Yeah. Granted, he yeah. trips, but she tells him to jump off it the cliff. She, she's kind of like lowering herself to his level at that point. Absolutely, like, they're both 100% like taunting each other. You know, yeah, totally. it's like. That's you know, what happens when everyone has a no grade education. Yeah. yeah. But like <laughs> they're all and children. She, and then she sits down and takes out her little st- her little like stone knife, clips his fingers yeah. off and sews his mouth shut and does brutal. a fucking spell on it's him. It's pretty gross. Like, that part's yeah. That's a little horrifying. Yeah. Like yeah. I still don't think it's a horror movie, but like I no, still, but... I think it I think it hits that turn. It while maybe it doesn't go zero to Suspiria, it goes zero to like <laughs> I don't know, fucking... It goes zero to Friday the 13th. Yeah, the third third act in general gets pretty weird. I mean, A, uh, we got Bjork sticking her hand into her mother's black hole chest. I I love that, and I still haven't figured it out. (laughs) Which is great and esoteric. I love it. And like some sort of like a tree of knowledge thing. I don't know, but... uh, (laughs) I mean, it gets David Lynch. Oh, yes, sure. It, go, it, go, it does go zero to David Lynch. And I <laughs> yeah, it goes get, zero to Eraserhead. I and, like that. And I don't get David Lynch movies. <laughs> I don't think David Lynch movies are horror movies. They're not horror. They're just, they're, they're weird. not yellow. So. Scary, yeah. kind of. Not. And, and I will say, like, the as gruesome as it is that she cuts off his index fingers and sews his mouth shut, like, that murder isn't any more stressful than the murder in Broadchurch. No, and Broadchurch is not a horror series. You know, that's a murder mystery. And if this was framed slightly different, it would just be an, an easy peasy murder mystery. They just happen to be a murder mystery with witches. <laughs> this is a, a murder mystery fantasy medieval with witches. With witches. We're crossing some genres here, folks. And well, and one of the things I, I really want to say is just because it has witches doesn't make it horror. That's yeah. not enough. Yeah, totally. You mean Hocus Pocus isn't a horror movie? <laughs> it is. It is. It is. <laughs> That's a horror movie. Really? Yeah. For a million. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a Halloween movie. I don't know if I'd call it a horror movie necessarily. It is a but... good Halloween movie. I, I like that movie. Oh, I like that movie a lot. I'm, I'm here for it. Hollywood. Yeah, Hocus Pocus. Uh, Who doesn't like Hocus Pocus? Yeah, seriously. I don't want to meet him. No. Also, uh... Sorry, I've I've just been on the Robert Johnson Wikipedia page here. Like it's been open on my computer for a second, and uh, I mean, how he died is kind of a horror movie. Yeah. Like, uh, original. Apparently, they blamed it on congenital syphilis, but then like later, uh, another musician was like, "No, nah, he got murdered by a jealous husband of a woman that he flirted with." Whoa, <laughs> brutal. Like <laughs> where. He was offered not one, but two poisoned bottles of whiskey. Yeah. Uh, 
which <laughs> like the guy refused for him the first time but then he was like he offered another poison bottle of whiskey and was like yeah let's do this I love it and then died a few days later I am constantly writing this novel in the back of my head <laughs> about like that has to do with like the landscape of like you oh, know yeah. American folklore, how it re- and how it relates to horror, and Robert Johnson's a big part of it because, like, yeah. of shit like write that, that book totally because yeah, <laughs> he's he's the fairy tale. Yeah, no, the whole idea of the crossroads is a a uniquely American thing. It's like specific the crossroads mm-hmm. is specifically supposed to be the intersections of highways one and eight in Rosedale, Mississippi, okay. like. Um, you can look it up. You can go there, and that's the crossroads that people claim Robert Johnson went to and sold his soul to the devil. <laughs> Love it. That's Sweet. interesting. Field trip. <gasps> Let's go. But anyway, this movie is not a horror movie. Not <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't think so not. because it's hopeful. No. At, at the end, it's hopeful. It's hopeful. That's a really yeah, good point. Like hopeful. it turns up. The like, witch is yeah. very you know, hopeful. Huh? I I feel a lot of hope at the end of the witch when okay, she bursts into stop. flames. No, no not Hagazusa, the witch. Oh, oh, the witch, where she oh. joins all her best friends. No, actually, that's a good <laughs> point. Very hopeful because she's like fucking yeah. I'm I did it. it. Yeah. I'm an actualized guys, lady. I'm, a, I'm gonna grease up this uh, like fucking broom woman. with my dead brother's like innards, and I'm gonna fly around with yeah. my best friends. Also, I guess it comes down to morality pretty, then, if we're t- taking it in there, because like okay, yeah, fair point. So like, uh, both of them are hopeful. I totally agree because I'm like the witch yes, is so hopeful. Awesome, go Thomas. Nailed it. Uh, well, yeah, Anya Taylor Joy straight up says that like she thinks it's uh like that she thinks it's a hopeful movie. That, like, yeah, it's beautiful. Um, but she's. N- I mean, it's not exactly moral, right? Right. Because it doesn't work with the conventional like morality. Because set. we're assumed to believe even that in their own she, universe, she's it doesn't condoning work. Right. like. Children murder, children butter making, children yeah. all kinds of things. Yeah, yes. kid butter. <laughs> Which I'm not. Cut that. Jesus churn no, churn not. that boy. Do not. Churn that boy. That's in there. <laughs> Which I'm not going to condone on air. Yeah. Because yeah, otherwise you might have to move to Little St. James. Excuse me? Condone? Wait. The, the, condone um, mean you don't like it? What? Con- Con- condone versus condemn. I'm not going to say that go ahead and make butter out of babies. But you could. I I could. Look, if you happen to make butter out of babies because you need to fly on your broom, who am I to judge? I'm no one. We're up a We're We are modern people. Again, uh, much like Sugar Ray, I just want to (laughs) fly. My God. Okay. So... I'll never stop. Uh, <laughs> and so in the words of the poet. <laughs> in the words of the poet uh, Mark, Mark McGrath. McGrath. The bard. The bard, as you will. Uh, as he's commonly known. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but have you guys listened to any of their other albums? No. No. Spe- any other songs. Speaking of horror movies, uh, here's yes. how I talk about Sugar Ray. So the juniper tree, the the moral at the end is like no one did anything wrong. No right? one did anything wrong. Everyone was fine in and the so, movie. Well, in it, the movie, that kid did some stuff wrong. Yeah, that kid was a shithead. He was a fucking dick. Yo, he deserved to fall. Yo, he totally. Deserved he was it. far too. I'm not long. here to say that he deserved it, but motherfucker deserved it. Okay, Yo, motherfucker. He was is all it? like, "I'm gonna be a bird because my mom says so." I'm like, okay, whatever. Cool, Jump off cool. that cliff. Um. So 
Uh, this is not a horror movie, I don't think, but one that is definitely worth your time if you're a horror enthusiast. Oh, by the way, oh. hey, who's this movie for? Oh, it seems like you just answered that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, if you like horror movies, if you like folk horror, if you like Bjork, uh, yeah, Damn, just watch it. Damn, you're stealing all of I know, sorry. Uh, answers. I, I, have, I have a little line that I could add to, to that whole last discussion. Do sure. it. Sure. Um, go, so going back to uh, basically the first article that I was really consulting about what is folk horror and what's not, the uh, Andy Pechoric, uh introduction to folk horror, folk horror revival field studies, he yeah. specifically <laughs> mentions this at one point. And he talks oh. about dark fairy tales such as Valken and Pura, the White Reindeer, Valerie and Her Week of Wonders, which I think I've mentioned before, but is a dope-ass movie, if you're not bothered by movie. a little bit of pedophilia. Just a little um, bit. Just it's a little fine. It's the 70s. Like, there's always a little bit of pedophilia in the, in the movies. Anyway, uh, Valerie and Her Week of Wonders, The Company of Wolves, and The Juniper Tree are movies that are not strictly folk horror, perhaps, but certainly greys in a nearby field. Right. Ooh, <laughs> I like, like that. that. I, I like that. I like that description of of them. I I love that description. It's so beautiful. But I I think it also goes to the point that I think things are folk horror even if they're not horror. I think that's okay. Yeah, I think yes. um, folk horror is a kind of a softer genre, and it's like you know um, more about a uh, sense of unease that kind of permeates the entire movie and less about, you know, dead teenagers. Um, right. and I, I think the best folk horror movies hit both boxes, and I think the best ones do Zero to Suspiria. Yeah. Um, but I think you can have... You can be in that genre uh, and not be a full-blown dead teenager movie. And I think I think that brings up something interesting for me and so I have a lot of friends who are women in their 40s and they very much want to like horror movies um, but they are too afraid to like horror movies but it's basically what it is is like they like shit that's kind of creepy kind of esoteric a little fucking dark and pretty fucking bleak but they get nightmares when they see like ghosts and jump scares and so I think folk horror is this really nice area for people who want to be really spooked, really freaked out, maybe think deeply about something and scare themselves. Because if you think a little too hard about Juniper Tree, you can probably freak yourself out, you know. Yeah. And, and so I like the fact that these don't have to be horror to be folk horror and it really is a way for this other section of people who can't engage with horror on its face value to really still consume that kind of atmosphere that they're craving yeah absolutely which again is why i'll say uh if you like over the garden wall you're gonna like this do you have a poster from the homogenic photo shoot on your wall somewhere (laughs) in your room (laughs) this movie's for you how many times did you listen to vespertine recently this movie's probably for you damn can i ask another question then yes i'm wondering would we like this movie if bjork wasn't in it i don't like bjork oh okay great perfect i mean 
I am interested in Bjork as a person. I don't uh-huh. feel strongly about Bjork's music or... I mean, I don't really feel strongly about Bjork as a person, yeah. except yeah. that everything I've ever seen of her is, like, very whimsical and cute. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, but I have like, liked Bjork. Sure. Yeah, yeah I, I'm on I'm on that train. Like, I yeah. I can name a couple of Bjork albums that I very much enjoy. Mm-hmm. I There was a time in my life when I listened to a lot of Bjork. Um, I don't think I've, like, gone out of my way to listen to a Bjork album Long time. in years. Yeah. I... Um, I listened to Bjork once in like high school or something uh-huh. when she was having like a like big one post having was a big out, moment like, and everybody was into and it, sure. I fucking hated it. I thought it was the weirdest <laughs> shit. I did. I used to confuse Bjork with Yoko Ono all the time because I didn't really know who she was either, huh. and I just assumed they were the same person because they both made really bad music, from what I understood. Wow. Um, I know better now. Okay, so Hot <laughs> weird thing. I was just kind of researching. Because I remembered that there was something vaguely problematic about Bjork, mm-hmm. and she said, "Okay, no, no." Lord, she dropped the n bomb a couple of times, Ooh, saying honey. that sound is the n word of the world, honey. referencing directly John, John Lennon, Lennon and yeah, Yoko totally. Ono's "Women Are the of the World." Yeah, huh? Yeah, like I, I remember listening to that song that. for the first time and, and being, being like, like no. yo, dude, that is a, like, <laughs> you're saying that with a straight face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's pretty amazing what self-righteousness can do for you. Yeah, I, 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 do not think <laughs> I do not think that word means what you think it means. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So since I didn't like her when I when she was big, when That's I was fair. at that age, I should have liked her. Um, I actively avoided her and mm-hmm. then just became interested in parodies of Bjork. <laughs> um, but but watching this movie, like if that's who she is, I think I love her because I love fucking yeah. weirdos. She's a weirdo. Who talk to yeah. themselves and like are weird. Like she's she's my my twin flame. Like I have wanted I to her. wear the swan dress. I was going to say I would. The- this movie is for people who want to wear swan dresses. <laughs> I have no idea um, what you're talking about. Okay, well. What? We'll, is, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Um, I want to say also that if you need a palate cleanser from Dancer in the Dark. Yeah, seriously. Because yeah. that one. Ooh, Oof. No, no. Yeah. Ooh. There's a mo- there's like a there's like a couple movies that you only ever need to see once, and that's and definitely one of them. Why does anyone continue to watch Lars von Trier movies? God. Just up. Unknown. Anyway, playing, <laughs> playing in as someone who does really like Bjork, uh, I would still like this movie a lot, even if Bjork yeah. wasn't in it. Yeah. I totally. don't know that I would have watched it, though. Yeah, yeah that's indeed. super yeah. real. If Bjork had yeah. not been in it, and had it not been queued up for a podcast that I was going to be on. <laughs> and I think that's true for a lot of people. They I, see that sure. Bjork is in it, and they're like, oh, I like Bjork. Like, you know, maybe she'll sing a song in this movie and they haven't seen Dancer <laughs> in the Dark, so they don't know what Bjork in a movie is going to be like. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. And then, and then they, they just watch Dancer in the Dark weird, and they're like, oh my beautiful God. beautiful little gem of a film. I'm, I, I'm just going to let you know, Justin, I think if Bjork wasn't in this movie and this movie came out this year, you would know all about it and watch it because you were the one who told us about Hagazusa. And I feel like <laughs> the art for this movie would be equal to that movie if it came out this year. I want to see the art from this movie. Justin, we make art for this movie. I did see some Polaroids taken of Bjork on what? set for this, and they're so Fuck cool. Yes. Yeah. Nice. We'll try to find those, and maybe yeah, yeah. Allie will we'll, maybe. do we'll our see. social media program better. 
You're welcome. I don't read your comments, but you should leave them. <laughs> I can't believe she like wrapped up making this movie and then went and like formed the sugar cubes like a month later. Oh. Yeah, right. <laughs> She's like hit, 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 hit. So guys, there was a while when I was taking the bus uh, from San Jose to Oakland every day. Um, and there was this like cute girl that I was like making eyes with, right? Uh, and finally we like got to talking and like actually like struck up a little bit of a relationship. It was like the first time that that had ever happened. Um, and she invited me to her house. So I went to her house and I had a backpack full of movies that I had rented or you know, checked out from the San Jose library. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, let's watch one of these movies. I got a ton of stuff. And like, you know, it was mostly probably like Criterion Collection bullshit. Yeah. And she's like, oh, The Bridge. I haven't seen this. Why don't we watch this? And so we sat in her, on the floor in her bedroom and watched the documentary about people jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge in stunned silence for an hour and a half. Uh, <laughs> and never spoke again. Uh, Basically never spoke again. <laughs> Oh, just you guys just went through something. It was it was bigger than both of you. I, yeah, I, I think, think so. Did I watch Children Underground with you? Yeah. Oh wow! How did we not break up after that movie? I have a high tolerance for stuff like that, though. Honestly, it's just like it's all about the chemistry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I see. I have a high tolerance, so we watched Children Underground, but I had already watched. But but my favorite movies are like extreme horror. So. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys you know, know this documentary? No. Children Underground is a documentary about homeless children in Romania that um, are addicted to huffing paint. Yeah. It's hmm. like, it's tight. It's absolutely cool. pitch fucking black and soul destroying. It is huh. such a gnarly ass movie. No, I wouldn't have gotten that from the description <laughs> you just gave me. That's I'm, so weird. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like, hey, remember how like... Take all of the fun things out of every Harmony Korean movie. <laughs> yeah, and I all mean, the fun, oh. uplifting parts of kids. Yeah, that's what basically. <laughs> <is>. <laughs> but holy I, shit! What? But I feel oh, like boy. there's not that much fun no. in that movie. <laughs> to be fair, we didn't break up because we saw that movie together after I had already seen Dark Days, Born into Brothels, and a certain kind of death by myself in my own choice. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which are three really fucking bleak documentaries that you should not watch. Maybe Born into Brothels. They kind of like yeah. white person that up. I mean, I've, I've seen a fair amount of like pretty terrifying movies that scarred me for life forever. Uh, like Ethan Lake. <laughs> You're um, welcome. <laughs> I love that movie. It's very good. I want, to, I want to point out that you are the reason that's on the list. I love that movie. That's uh, one of my favorite horror movies. It really like gets my buttons of like like watching someone you love being brutally terrorized. Mm. And that's, for me, just the worst. Yeah. Um, and I watch it with James and we're still married. Yeah. Well, you, you know, guys like leaned on each other in fear <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. cursed me and James because you guys decided to watch it right after you watched The Descent yeah. for some reason. Double feature. Because you make bad choices. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you make bad choices too. See, I feel like Just if I was you guys load, you know? and I had never seen either of those movies and then I watched The Descent and be like, well, that's it for me today. I've had enough. Uh, to me, that wasn't that bad. It was just like combined, I think. Yeah, and then you're like, oh, I you never know, want to do that the, again. The descent was a little too cheery. Let's watch Eden Lake. Yeah, word. <laughs> this will be great. Dear Lord. 
Good job. And we'll just top it off with some bone tomahawk. No big deal. Fuck. Yeah, we're cool, guys. I couldn't watch that. <laughs> I kept my hands over my eyes. Yeah, me too. That's gross. Man, Ugh. bone tomahawk, I think, has come up more in this season than like any other movie. <laughs> I like really want to know if it's folk horror, and I really can't. It's not. it's not. It's some other thing. It's something that's I keep like going back and forth. Like exploitation. It is yeah, exploitation. Yeah. And I think. Especially considering the yeah. guy that wrote it, like, and is when it's exploitation. a bit of a reactionary dickhead. Like, yeah. what are we talking about? Uh, Bone Tomahawk. Tomahawk. Oh, if it's um, S. Craig Zoller's kind of sucks, um, if I remember correctly. Um, I, I just feel like it has the right notes. And so I guess I need to know why it's not a folk horror. There's some things I agree that are very alike. Right. Landscape, isolation, kind of yeah, like. Yeah, it has uh, some of the motifs for sure. Yeah, yeah but. Uh, uh, Maybe the power struggle's wrong, though, because they, they set up the indigenous people a lot like they set up the Blair Witch. It's not necessarily like, you know, people working with the landscape, but then there's this element that comes in that gets kind of like tousled yeah in i don't know how to really describe it but it's like i think i get why it's not there's just so much of it that is like it that i guess i just want to call it something but i guess if we just call an exploitation film that's fine yeah because it's kind of it is kind of just a gross exploitation of kind of uh of fears about native americans i think yeah that's fair yeah because it's not really fear about about an opposing moral skewed moral beliefs it's it's racism right yeah and and that's the thing with folk horror is it it's not supposed to be racism it's supposed to be xenophobia indeed if we're yeah. going to do that have bigotry yeah it should be xenophobia not racism there we go got it <laughs> bam um thanks for listening to another episode of what's wrong with us uh you can do stuff on the internet <laughs> on the internet with us <laughs> We're there. That could just be the uh, whole please thing. Listen, like, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Stitcher and Google Play and all the other places fine pods are casted. You can find us on Instagram at What's Wrong Pod. You can also find us at Twitter using the same plate, uh, the same <laughs> at. You can find us on our website, What's Wrong With Us XYZ for news and updates and content. We swear. For uh, extras, follow us on Patreon. And please, please like and subscribe on on the podcasties it's really helpful it, it feels really uncomfortable to say that yeah but it's, like i it's significantly helpful but it makes me feel good and don't you want that to happen because <laughs> because algorithms are in charge now so you have to tell the algorithm we exist so it tells other people we exist it's true it's really weird like People, people that don't, don't know what they're doing wrote those yeah, algorithms. Yeah, people don't have friends anymore or human contact because we've been isolated for two months. So, I mean, we... We want to be your friend. The algorithm has to tell other people we exist, and the only way it knows to do that is if you like and subscribe five stars on iTunes. Um, and hey, Justin, what are you up to? Oh, well, you can follow me and my personal artwork at jlawdev on Instagram or the illustrated pop culture recommendation blog I curate at Drawn to Culture on Facebook and Instagram. Nice. And until next time. What's, what's wrong, wrong with, with you? you? <laughs> Yay. <laughs>
so we're doing a weird thing that I probably should have talked about during the episode because no one's going to really listen. But I am reading the story, The Juniper Tree. Uh, this is from a recent uh, translation of Brothers Grimm Fairy Tales. So, The Juniper Tree. All this took place a long time ago, most likely some 2,000 years ago. There was a rich man who had a beautiful and pious wife, and they loved each other very much. Though they didn't have any children, they longed to have some. Day and night, the wife prayed for a child, but still none came and everything remained the same. Now, in the front of the house, there was a yard, and in the yard stood a juniper tree. One day during winter, the wife was under the tree peeling an apple, and as she was peeling it, she cut her finger, and her blood dripped onto the snow. Oh, said the wife, and she heaved a great sigh. While she looked at the blood before her, she became quite sad. If only I had a child as red as blood and as white as snow. Upon saying that, her mood changed, and she became very cheerful, for she felt something might come of it. Then she went home. After a month, the snow vanished. After two months, everything turned green. After three months, the flowers sprouted from the ground. After four months, all the trees in the woods grew more solid, and the green branches became intertwined. The birds began to sing, and their song were sounded throughout the forest as the blossoms fell from the trees. Soon the fifth month passed, and when the wife stood under the juniper tree, it smelled so sweetly that her heart leapt for joy. Indeed, she was so overcome by joy that she fell down on her knees. When the sixth month had passed, the fruit was large and firm, and she was quite still. In the seventh month, she picked the juniper berries and ate them so avidly that she became sad and sick. After the eighth month passed, she called her husband to her and wept. If I die, she said, bury me under the juniper tree. After that, she was quite content and relieved until the ninth month had passed. Then she had a child as white as snow and as red as blood. When she saw the baby, she was so delighted that she died. <laughs> That's what happens. That is what happens. It is. Don't love your baby too much. <laughs> Don't. You will die. Her husband buried her under the juniper tree, and he began weeping a great deal. After some time, he felt much better, but he still wept every now and then. Eventually, he stopped, and after more time passed, he took another wife. With his second wife, he had a daughter, while the child from the first wife was a little boy who was as red as blood and as white as snow. Whenever the woman looked at her daughter, she felt great love for her, but whenever she looked at the little boy, her heart was cut to the quick. She couldn't forget that he would always stand in her way and prevent her daughter from inheriting everything, which was what the woman had in mind. Gradually, the devil took hold of her and influenced her feelings toward the boy until she became quite cruel toward him. She pushed him from one place to the next, slapped him here and cuffed him there so that the poor child lived in constant fear. When he came home from school, he found no peace at all. One day, the woman went up to her room and her little daughter followed her and said, Mother, give me an apple. Yes, my child, said the woman, and she gave her a beautiful apple from the chest that had a large, heavy lid with a big, sharp iron lock. Mother, said the little daughter, shouldn't brother get one too? The woman was irritated by that remark, but she said, yes, as soon as he comes home from school. And when she looked out of the window and saw him coming, the devil took possession of her, and she snatched the apple away from her daughter. You shan't have one before your brother, she said, and threw the apple into the chest and shut it. Meanwhile, the little boy came through the door, and the devil compelled her to be friendly to him and say, would you like to have an apple, my son? Yet she gave him a fierce look. Mother, said the little boy, 
How ferocious you look. Yes, give me an apple. Then she felt compelled to coax him. Come over here, she said as she lifted the lid. Take out an apple for yourself. And as the little boy leaned over the chest, the devil prompted her and crash! She slammed the lid so hard that his head flew off and fell among the apples. Then she was struck by fear and thought, how am I going to get out of this? <laughs> she went up to her room and straight to the dresser where she took out a white kerchief from a drawer. She put the boy's head back on his neck and tied the neckerchief around it so nothing could be seen. Then she set him on a chair in front of the door and put the apple in his hand. Sometime later, little Marlene came into the kitchen and went up to her mother, who was standing by the fire in front of a pot of hot water, which she was constantly stirring. Mother, said Marlene, brother's sitting by the door and looks very pale. He's got an apple in his hand and I asked him to give me the apple, but he didn't answer and I became very scared. Go back to him, said the mother, and if he doesn't answer you, give him a box on the ear. Little Marlene returned to him and said, Brother, give me the apple. But he wouldn't respond. So she gave him a box on the ear and his head fell off. As one does. <laughs> the little girl was so frightened that she began to cry and howl. Then she ran to her mother and said, Oh, mother, I've knocked my brother's head off. And she wept and wept and couldn't be comforted. Marlene said the mother, What have you done? You're not to open your mouth about this. We don't want anyone to know. And besides, there's nothing we can do about it now. So we'll make a stew out of him. Again, very logical, reasonable thinking. <laughs> the mother took the little boy and chopped him into pieces. Next, she put them into a pot and let them stew. But Marlene stood nearby and wept until all her tears fell into the pot. So it didn't need any salt. Damn. Whoa. That's Direct a lot of detail. tears. Yeah. When the father came home, he sat down at the table and asked, Where's my son? The mother served a huge portion of the stewed meat, and Marlene wept and couldn't stop. Where's my son? The father asked again. Oh, said the mother. He's gone off into the country to visit his mother's great uncle. He intends to stay there a while. What's he going to do there? He didn't even say goodbye to me. Well, he wanted to go very badly and asked me if he could stay there six weeks. They'll take good care of him. Oh, that makes me sad, said the man. It's not right. He should have said goodbye to me. Then he began to eat and said, Marlene, what are you crying for? Your brother will come back soon. Without pausing, he said, Oh, wife, the food tastes great. Give me some more. The more he ate, the more he wanted. Give me some more, he said. I'm not going to share this with you. Somehow, I feel as if it were all mine. As he ate and ate, he threw the bones under the table until he was all done. Meanwhile, Marlene went to her dresser and took out her best silk neckerchief from the bottom drawer, gathered all the bones from beneath the table, tied them up in her silk kerchief, and carried them outside the door. There, she wept bitter tears and laid the bones beneath the juniper tree. As she put them there, she suddenly felt relieved and stopped crying. Now the juniper tree began to move. The branches separated and came together again as though they were clapping their hands in joy. At the same time... Whew. And this is where it gets a little weird, because uh, it wasn't <laughs> weird before this. Oh, it's uh, totally normal story. At the same time, smoke came out of the tree. And then in the middle of the smoke, there was a flame that seemed to be humming. Then a beautiful bird flew out of the fire and began singing magnificently. He soared high in the air. And after he vanished, the juniper tree was as it was before. Yet the silk kerchief was gone. Marlene was very happy and gay. It was as if her brother were still alive. And she went merrily back into the house, sat down at the table, and ate. 
Meanwhile, the bird flew away, landed on the roof of a goldsmith's house, and began to sing, My mother, she killed me, my father, he ate me, my sister Marlene, she made sure to see. My bones were gathered secretly, bound nicely in silk as neat as can be. I'm making this song up. I, I like this is wonderful. Was, was like, oh my god, that should have been on Dude Ranch. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was waiting to see what you do with the song. Um, I love it. <laughs> and laid beneath the juniper tree. Tweet tweet. What a lovely bird I am. <laughs> oh yeah, that's definitely like a uh, that needs some Ranch. harmony. So give us a cl- give uh, us a nod next time. All uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> the goldsmith was sitting in his workshop making a golden chain. When he heard the bird singing on his roof, he, he thought the song was very beautiful. Then he stood up, and as he walked across the threshold, he lost his slipper. Still, he kept on going, right into the middle of the street with only one sock and a slipper on. He was also wearing his apron, and in one of his hands he held his, the golden chain, in the other, his tongs. The sun was shining brightly on the street as he walked, and then he stopped to get a look at the bird. Bird, he said, how beautifully you sing. Sing me that song again. No, said the bird. I never sing twice for nothing. Give me the golden chain and I'll sing it for you again. All right, said the goldsmith. Here's the golden chain. Now sing the song again. The bird swooped down, grasped the golden chain in his right claw, went up to the goldsmith and began singing. Man, I really should have remembered how I sang it the first time. Just sing it like like 182. My mother, she killed me. My father, he ate me. My sister, Marlene. Oh, I can't do it. I can't no, keep it doing right. it. Uh, <laughs> sounds She good. made sure to see. My bones were gathered secretly, bound nicely in silk, as neat as can be, and laid beneath the juniper tree. Tweet, tweet, what a lovely bird I am. <laughs> uh, <laughs> then the bird flew off to a shoemaker, landed on his roof, and sang that song again. Uh, again. What a lovely bird he is. Uh, I'm not going to sing it every single time. He sings it a bunch of times. He really enjoys this song. They were really bored. They were really bored. Uh, When the shoemaker heard the song, he ran to the door in his shirt sleeves and looked up at the roof, keeping his hand over his eyes to protect them from the bright sun. Bird, he said, how beautifully you sing. Then he called into the house. Wife, come out here for a second. There's a bird up there. Just look how beautifully he sings. Then he called his daughter and her children and the journeyman, apprentices, and maid. They all came running out into the street and looked at the bird and saw how beautiful he was. He had bright red and green feathers, and his neck appeared to glisten like pure gold while his eyes sparkled in his head like stars. Bird, said the shoemaker, now sing me that song again. No, said the bird, I never sing twice for nothing. You'll have to give me a present. Wife, said the man, go into the shop. There's a pair of red shoes on the top shelf. Get them for me. His wife went and fetched the shoes. There, said the man. Now sing the song again. The bird swooped down, grasped the shoes in his left claw, flew back up on the roof, and sang that song again. What a lovely bird he is. When the bird finished the song, he flew away. He had the chain in his right claw and the shoes in his left, and he flew far away to a mill. The mill went clickety-clack, clickety-clack, clickety-clack. The as miller, they do. As they do. That is what a mill sounds like. If it's a paper mill, it smells really bad. <laughs> I don't know. It's just it's just as a mill. The miller had 20 men sitting in the mill, and they were hewing a stone. Oh, it's a stone mill? I don't know. Uh, it, I think it's a, like a grain mill, and they're using a millstone just to mill the grain. Oh, like in, that makes sense. Like in this movie, how she was like mm. crushing her herbs and in that beautiful like stone... 
Yeah, I imagine teeth. it being like really, really big and round though, like as a yeah. mortar and pestle, but like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah, James asked me if that's what I do with my spices, and I said no. I have a very <laughs> beautiful handheld cast iron mill from Food Fifty Two because I'm bougie. <laughs> so the miller had twenty men sitting in the mill, and they were hewing a stone. Their chisels went click clack, click clack, click clack. And the mill kept going clickety-clack, clickety-clack, clickety-clack. The bird swooped down and landed on a linden tree outside the mill and sang, My mother, she killed me. Then one of the men stopped working. My father, he ate me. Then two more stopped and listened. My sister, Marlene, she made sure to see. Excuse me? Then four more stopped. My bones were gathered secretly, bound nicely in silk as neat as can be. Now only eight kept chiseling, and laid beneath, now only five. The juniper tree, now only one. Sounds like he's organizing his workplace. Mm. It's, Indeed. Uh, I mean, this is definitely a workplace that understands injustice must be stopped. <laughs> and the best way to do it is by uh, halting their labor. Anyways. What? Sorry. Uh, tweet, tweet. What a lovely bird I am. Then the last one also stopped and listened to the final words. Bird, how beautifully you sing. Let me hear that too. Sing your song again for me. No, said the bird. I never sing twice for nothing. (laughs) Give me the millstone and I'll sing the song again. I would if I could, he said. But the millstone doesn't belong to me alone. Just my stolen labor. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Well, and here we go. If he sings again, said the others, he can have it. (laughs) they understand they're like it's all of our labor i mean this millstone belongs to all of us yeah we just make a decision together exactly they anyways (laughs) uh not to belabor a point or anything check our patreon uh then the bird swooped down and all 20 of the miller's men took some wooden beams to lift the stone heave ho heave ho heave ho then the bird stuck his neck through the hole put the stone on like a collar flew back to the tree and sang that song one more time. What a lovely bird he is. Uh, after the bird had finished his song, he spread his wings, and in his right claw he had the chain, in his left the shoes, and around his neck the millstone. Again, this millstone took 20 men to lift, and he's just like, yeah, I got it. It's cool. It's just on my neck. Then he flew away to his father's house. The father, mother, and Marlene were sitting at the table in the parlor, and the father said, Oh, how happy I am. I just feel so wonderful. Not me, said the mother. I feel scared as if a storm were about to erupt. Meanwhile, Marlene just sat there and kept weeping. Then the bird flew up, and when he landed on the roof, the father said, Oh, I'm in such good spirits. The sun's shining so brightly outside, and I feel as though I were going to see an old friend again. Not me, said his wife. I'm so frightened that my teeth are chattering. I feel as if fire were running through my veins. She tore open her bodice while Marlene sat in a corner and kept weeping. She had her handkerchief in front of her eyes and wept until it was completely soaked with her tears. The bird swooped down on the juniper tree where he perched on a branch and began singing, My mother, she killed me. The mother stopped her ears, shut her eyes, and tried not to see or hear anything, but there was a roaring in her ears like a turbulent storm, and her eyes burned and flashed like lightning. My father, he ate me. Oh, mother, said the man, listen to that beautiful bird singing so gloriously. The sun's so warm and it smells like cinnamon. (laughs) 
My sister, Marlene, made sure to see. Then Marlene laid her head on her knees and wept and wept. But the man said, I'm going outside. I must see the bird close up. Oh, don't go, cried the wife. I feel as if the whole house were shaking and about to go up in flames. Nevertheless, the man went out and looked at the bird. My bones were gathered secretly, bound nicely in silk, as neat as can be, and laid beneath the juniper tree. Tweet, tweet, what a lovely bird I am. (laughs) Such a lovely bird. He is a lovely bird. Uh, After ending his song, the bird dropped the golden chain, and it fell around the man's neck just right, so that it fit him perfectly. Then he went inside and said, look how lovely that bird is. He gave me this beautiful golden chain, and he's just as beautiful as well. But the woman was petrified and fell to the floor. Her cap slipped off her head, and the bird sang again. My mother, Uh she killed me. Oh, I wish I were a thousand feet beneath the earth so I wouldn't have to hear this. My father, he ate me. Then the woman fell down again as if she were dead. My sister, Marlene, she made sure to see. Oh, said Marlene, I want to go outside too and see if the bird will give me something. Then she went out. My bones were gathered secretly, bound nicely in silk as neat as can be. All at once the bird threw her the shoes and laid them beneath the juniper tree. Tweet, tweet, what a lovely bird I am. Marlene felt cheerful and happy. She put on the new red shoes and danced and skipped back into the house. Oh, she said, I was so sad when I went out, and now I feel so cheerful. That certainly is a splendid bird. He gave me a pair of red shoes as a gift. That's weird. That's weird. Right? I, unless it's a magpie. <laughs> I mean, Maybe it's a magpie. Know. That's I, fine. I, you know the saying, don't look a gift bird in the mouth. Yeah, that's how that goes. Yeah, totally. I'm into it. Yeah. Uh, not me, said the wife, who jumped and her hair flared up like red hot flames. I feel as if the world were coming to an end. Maybe I'd feel better if I went outside. As she went out the door, crash! The bird threw the millstone down on her head and she was crushed to death. The father and Marlene heard the crash and went outside. Smoke, flames, and fire were rising from the spot. And when it was over, the little brother was standing there. He took his father and Marlene by the hand and all three were very happy. Then they went into the house sat down at the table and ate. Aww. And that's well, the story of the nice juniper tree. Ending. Yeah. Fuck stepmoms, right? <laughs> Fuck stepmoms that kill you? My stepmom hated me until I was 18 because then I was no longer a competition for my father's love. Wow. Huh. That's some shit. That's some juniper juniper tree shit. Yeah, well, I mean we're friends if- now, I think. Did you also get murdered and fed to your father and then become a bird and eventually turn back into a human? Can't you see? (laughs) (laughs) All part of it. She did give me some red shoes the other day. (laughs) Yeah, that bird's not half bad. (laughs) And that's the juniper tree. Yay! Yay. For more like this, check our Patreon. Yeah. Perhaps we'll help you fall asleep. (laughs) Perhaps we will read more stories, I guess. 